Boom! Welcome back. This is Kurt Schlichter, unredacted here behind the paywall on Town Hall VIP. Victor India Papa, boom, in the house. This is the podcast, because I do another podcast associated with the Hugh Hewitt Show called Fighting Words, where I try and keep FCC compliant. None of that bullshit here. I'm going to town because I was in the infantry, and I'm going to talk like it. I hope you dig the vibe I'm laying down for you. I'm excited. This is the I'm, I'm recording this on the weekend before I head off to CPAC. CPAC's gonna be a fun fest of uh, hanging out with my friends back in DC. But I think I'm gonna do my next uh, unredacted from CPAC. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully, I'll have some cool guests. We'll do things now. CPAC's always interesting. It's like a giant petri dish. Every time I go there, I get sick. And the last time I got sick. I uh, ended up going over to a uh, fellow town hall senior columnist's house, uh, Derek Hunter's place, and I got his poor little girl Quinn sick. So I'm a monster. Now, of course, we got coronavirus out there. I don't know if there's going to be coronavirus at CPAC. I wouldn't put it past it, you know. I like the uh, uh, pangolin parfait and the, uh, uh, the bat soup down in the little uh, restaurant that they've got there. If you know CPAC, you know, the little sports theme place, the bat soup is legendary. So there may be coronavirus. I don't know. I'm not judging. You know, who's it? It's not for me to judge. You know what I'm saying? CPAC's cool because you get to see a lot of cool people, get to talk to them, interact with them. Uh, For me, because I'm in like California, so it's like a vacation for me. All the people in D.C., they're like, oh, CPAC, what a hassle. And me and Arena were like, woohoo, we get to jump on a plane and then go and hang out with all our friends. It's fun. There are going to be town hall events there. Uh, There is a town hall thing Friday afternoon. Uh, You will want to check it out, especially if you are a town hall VIP member, which you are if you are listening to this unredacted podcast with Kurt Schlichter. Uh, And if you see me around, stop me. You can talk to me. It's funny. People are like, oh, I don't want to bother you by talking to you. It does not bother me. I'm, I'm, I'm a normal human being. You can come up and go, hey, Kurt, you suck. You're terrible. You, you, you're the worst. Uh, speaking of the worst, you know what's happening at the same time? They've got the Summit for American Principles. It's only one day. And I was toying with going. Right. It's all these Never Trump Gibos collected together in a giant festival of, uh, of weirdness. Now, I, I think it's really designed to get the husband out of the house so their wives can hang with the pool boys. Did I go there? I did. Ahoy. Uh, but um, anyway, they're having this thing. And I guess they're going to sit around and talk about what Ace of Spades brilliantly characterizes as the conservative case for Bernie. Because Trump's so terrible, we've got to have a socialist in charge. Did we mention we're true conservatives? Trademark. A little TM sign. We'll make sure that's on there. Well, you know, they are they are the true conservatives. Well, they're true something. Bunch of freaking weirdos, losers, and mutation. You know, hey, hang with Jennifer Rubin. You know, she's not keeping a crypt today. You know, oh, look, it's Jim Swift. Surprise. He's he's at the buffet. That's that's not a surprise. Look, there's Bill Crystal. He's uh, he's he's trying to start a war. It's uh, he's great. Ahoy. These freaking losers. God, what a bunch of simps. Anyway, anywho, enough about them. We got a lot to talk about today. We got things going on. First of all, Clint Eastwood. Remember him? Well, I do, but I'm 55 years old. Clint Eastwood was super relevant in like the 70s and then less so in the 80s and then kind of 
early 90s. I think he did Unforgiven. And then he was just kind of like an old man. But he did an interview. And I don't know really if you can trust the media's characterization. He, at one point he says, maybe we should just all elect Mike Bloomberg. Well, you know, was he a Trump supporter? And you know, this is a big, they want Bloomberg. Oh, you're supported by, by Clint Eastwood. I got to say, you know, among us conservatives, because this is supposed to blow our minds. Oh, my gosh, this conservative icon. He, he's conservative because he plays characters that, you know, kill bad people instead of submit and surrender and be, you know, sissies. Um, we're, we're supposed to be blown away by this. And among a lot of conservatives who, especially ones who are like considerably younger than me, they're like, Clint who? I mean... He's not that big a deal anymore. This whole Hollywood thing about who Hollywood stars like. And I, I you know there's some Hollywood stars out there, you know, who are conservative. Nick Searcy, Adam Baldwin. Um, that's pretty much it. No, there's a, there's, there's a few. I, I just don't think it's a giant thing. And I just kind of saw it and I was like, well, that's kind of sad. I'm not sure he really, you know, he, Clint Eastwood says he's a libertarian kind of, but, you know. Wouldn't Mike Bloomberg be kind of the exact opposite of a libertarian? You know, he's kind of a goose-stepping fascist midget with delusions of normal height. Yeah, so I don't know where, I don't, I don't really know where to go with the whole Clint Eastwood thing. I just kind of think it's sad. The whole movie star thing, does that work? I mean, you're going to get a lot of it for Bernie. Now, Bernie has a lot of hipster bands play for him. He's resurrected Rage Against the Machine, which is the shittiest band that's ever been. Rage Against the Machine. And I'm putting aside all their communist crap because I'm a big fan of The Clash and they kind of fashion themselves as leftists. I'm not really sure they understood it because, you know, they're The Clash. But Rage Against the Machine, they're like, you know, we're we're leftists and you know, we're committed to the struggle. And they're just shitty. Their music is bad. They're not a good band. They suck. They are the Taylor Swift of alternative rock. They're just awful. And I hate them. And I've always hated them. And it's not just because of their politics. I do hate them for their politics. Because their politics are evil and stupid. And, you know, they adhere to an ideology that murdered 100 million people. But more importantly, they're a shitty band. Their songs are all crappy. I would never listen to them. And, you know, Bernie's got a lot of these bands. And I think, you know, when you see these uh, rallies, he has these rallies and there's lots of lots of folks there. He, he does get good turnout. I think a lot of it's because he's got a band. You know, hey, the Strokes. Dad, come on, it's the Strokes. You'll like them. They're the Bachman-Turner Overdrive of early 2000s uh, uh, whoosh rock. So that's a thing. I, yes, I, I did a Bachman-Turner Overdrive riff. I'm still kind of buzzing because I was on with Dennis Miller. And uh, you should go check out that podcast too. It was a, a festival of hip cultural references, which I was referencing hiply, as, as it were, in any case. So I'm very proud of this Bachman-Turner Overdrive thing. So where was I before I took my tangent? Anyway, there, there's lots of kind of Hollywood hype behind bernie but as we've seen hollywood hype doesn't really help that much i think it does help some but i don't think it helps that much and you know hillary had it have you guys seen that horrible it's some some oh my god 
it's the little acapella thing and they've got little it's a video and they've got little windows and it's all these like um generically attractive like cw stars singing i think it's called fight song it's the shittiest song ever and i'll be covered by rage against the machine to have a perfect singularity of shittiness as far as music goes but it's just horrible and they're just like bopping away and these look fucking stupid but she you know hillary's got these stars oh you remember that dude the guy uh the guy there's like this video out there you have to do hillary in the house go to youtube just type in hillary in the house he's like hey everybody we got something to say we're going to sing for hillary because hillary's in the house in the White House, a woman in the White House, and its woman is Hillary. Hillary in the house, Hillary in the White House. It's got all these like fat people singing along too, and this guy's like going out like he's he ought to have like one of those little um, like little drum major things out in front. It's it's the most amazing thing ever. That kind of sums up Hillary and you know entertainment value. But I I think I think Bernie's going to get a lot of entertainment value. I think it brings in the kids, and who the hell else does it bring in? Who else is going to vote for? Who else is the guy who's going to vote for, for uh, Bernie Sanders? I mean, stupid people, lazy people, deadbeats, bums, uh, criminals, uh, anti-American scumbags—they're all down for uh, Bernie. But I mean, who else? Do you think normal suburban people are going to go? Well, I think it'd be really great if I didn't get to go to my doctor anymore because the, you know, the government's going to run my health care. That'd be a good idea. I'm, I'm down for that. Oh. More taxes? Sounds good. Free college? I get to pay for other kids' college, too? What a deal! I mean, I paid for mine, but shit, I'll pay for your gender studies degree. Sounds like a great fucking deal. Let me let me sign up for that. Ain't gonna happen. Of course, we may have a little problem with Bloomberg. We'll, we'll talk a little about that. I talk about that more in my unredacted... No! This is unredacted. I talk about that more in my fighting words podcast which is my Hugh Hewlett affiliate when I do two podcasts this is the one I swear on that one I don't swear on so that's how you know they differ uh, my governor Gavin Newsom the guy who wasn't man enough to keep the woman who uh, has now hearkened unto John Jr. and I think it's important to understand that he has failed as a man in every way by by that failure he had a great tweet, which kind of sums up the whole uh, vibe of the socialist morons. It was, why, you know, there's no reason a doctor can't, or doctor needs to be able to prescribe housing the same way as he prescribes medicine for heart disease or insulin. And it's like, what? What? I prescribe a house. What? I, I just, you look at that. And there's this phenomenon right out there. And I think it's kind of, it's like called John Stewartism. And it's this phenomenon where people who think they're super smart, like people who listen to John Stewart or people who like watch Stephen Colbert or Trevor Noah or any of these dipshits, they think they're super smart. So they'll they'll see something, they'll see kind of like this John Oliver thing where he says something that seems clever. Why can't we prescribe housing? And instead of like a normal person's reaction, which is, well, there there are several reasons. They're like, yeah, man, clever, wow, you know, good point. You know, I, I, I got, you know, I'm smart because I can appreciate this insight. And and you're not smart. You're a fucking moron. And it's embarrassing. And now you want me to pay for the college degree 
that brought you to the conclusion, you know, trained you up to the point where you thought that was smart? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. You see it a lot on Twitter, too. You see all these people, they're like, and, and they say things that they think are super smart, you know, and they're just not, you know. I, I saw one, I saw a Bernie one. Nobody should go broke because they've gotten sick. Okay, yeah, well, that, take that, advocates of going broke because people got sick. You got sick? <laughs> Loser, you should go broke. Um, yeah, that's not smart. That's stupid. People don't go broke because they got sick. People go broke when they get sick because they did not hedge against getting sick. You know what a hedge is? A hedge is something you do to protect yourself from an unforeseen circumstance or downturn. Uh, my hedge against going broke when if me or my family gets sick is, are you ready for it? It's buying health insurance and keeping it current. See, I take money now when I'm not sick and, and I invest it in a hedge, which is health insurance, so that if we someone becomes sick, we now have somebody who will pay for it. So that's kind of that's kind of how I don't go broke because I got sick. You other people should do likewise. See, but their hedge is I have gotten sick. I didn't pay for health insurance. Now I want you to pay for it. I have a better idea. How about you pay for your own shit? How about you pay for your own college, your own health, your own housing, your own food? Write your own prescription. Write your own prescription. If it's not, look, if, if, if having health insurance is not important enough for you to sacrifice and work to pay for your health insurance, why has it suddenly become important enough for me to do that for your health insurance? Because I'm already doing it for mine. This is the essential problem of socialism. And I, again, I, I think it's going to be a hard sell. I think we're looking at Mondale 2, the, uh, you know, electric crustaroo with uh, Bernie Sanders. Because I just don't, I think, I think too many of us have worked too hard to give free shit to this lunatic. Or to give our vote to this lunatic who promises to give free shit to other people. I like how he wants to let every illegal alien on earth into America. Well, they're, they're all potential illegal aliens. I guess they would be illegal aliens. I guess they'd be legal aliens. Uh, and then we have to give them health insurance, too, because of reasons and your racist shut-up transphobe. You know what does pose a threat to Bernie is Mike Bloomberg. Because I think, I think there is a very good chance he goes in and steals the election. I think he's just going to buy it out from under Bernie. I think the Bernie bros are going to be alienated. And I think it's going to be hilarious. Here is what we need to talk about, though. Who is Bernie or uh, Bloomberg going to buy off next? Because it, 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 did you see that Sam Donaldson and his toupee, who I think was, uh, which I think was bought off separately, I think it actually got its own payment, came out uh, for him last week. I think we're going to see more people coming out for him. I think Stacey Abrams, her organization got five million bucks. She's now very, very Bloomberg curious. How did Stacey Abrams become anything other than a punchline? I gotta tell you, this uh, this guy's just—we're gonna see 
a long line of people being bought off. He is literally going to buy them off. Now, what he'll probably do is give money to their organizations. And suddenly, these people are going to have, you know, they're going to they're gonna be like, you know, we've been thinking about Bloomberg. And uh, as soon as the check cleared, he really, uh, you know, what he had to say really started to make sense. And, of course, what he had to say was, ka-ching. I think we're going to see him buying people off. And I, what we are not going to see is the media telling us about it. This is all going to be conservative media. The New York Times will not do in-depth on who he's buying out. The Washington Post won't. The Wall Street Journal's not going to. Nobody's going to do it. They don't want you to know what he's doing. Now, we do know some of it. Uh, we know he's offering 2500 bucks to people. This, hear me out. 2500 bucks a month to use their contact list on their phone to pester their friends to support Mike Bloomberg. Now, I frequently tweet about Mike Bloomberg. I am talking about Mike Bloomberg here as we speak on Unredacted with Kurt Schlichter, the Town Hall VIP podcast. I'm talking about him and I'm doing it for free. I mean, I'm, you know, Town Hall pays me, but I think Michael Bloomberg should be paying me. I think Michael Bloomberg can be paying me because I talk about that son of a bitch a whole lot. I don't talk about him a little because, see, he's small. What I call him in my new Town Hall column of uh, February 24th? I think I called him uh, Bilbo Moneybaggins, which I was kind of proud of because he's small, you see. He's very tiny. I like the way he's trying to freak out Trump. Have you seen he has uh, these... Uh, posters these uh billboards and he has things like trump cheats at golf trump eats burnt steak and he like hired psychologists to try and like figure out how to get under trump's skin and he kind of looks like sweaty mario rubio who uh tried to try to do the same thing to donald trump during the primary four years ago and that turned to shit really well the donald trump is not going to fall for Bloomberg's idiot ploys. Donald Trump has something that Bloomberg doesn't. I mean, they both have billions of dollars, but he's got something that uh, uh, Bloomberg doesn't. And that something is, he's freaking president. He doesn't have to. You know, hey, Trump, hey, Trump likes burnt steak. Yeah, I'm going to fly in on Air Force One. I'm going to go over like Daytona shed and... I may cast a shadow on your billboard. So you just, you know, that may be a thing, but uh, it ain't much of a thing. It ain't a thing, as uh, some people may may put it. Trump is just not rising to the bait. I mean, he does, he does mock Bloomberg, but he doesn't treat him seriously. And I think that hurts Bloomberg. Now, you may have heard one or two Bloomberg ads. I literally have not, because I really don't listen to like, terrestrial radio except for like uh you know hugh hewitt and larry o'connor and sometimes rush and marfo christigal of course uh, i mostly listen to them on podcasts so i'm not hearing it but i i understand especially on like sports talk it's 24 7 mike bloomberg ads and um how's that working you know do you, do you think stupid people are going i have heard bloomberg's name so many times he seems like a regular guy. I think his ideas are good. Uh, I did see one ad on the internets, interwebs, which is a system of tubes, if you aren't familiar with the interweb. It was this ad. It was like the opposite of Morning in America. 
Remember the Ronald Reagan ad? Well, you probably don't remember it because it's 35, 36 freaking years ago. But it was a great ad. as somebody, you know, it's beautiful. It's morning in America. America is waking up to new possibilities and new dreams. It was a beautiful ad. Very famous. Uh, helped, you know, crush Walter Mondale, who I think came out, uh, what did he have? He got Washington, D.C., and he got Minnesota. That's it. Everybody else went to Trump. And I think that's like you know, pretty similar to what's going to happen with Bernie. Uh, I mean, they'll get California and New York, but I think, I think we're going to see a lot of movement to Trump if it's Bernie. But Bloomberg may be a little different. But anyway, this morning with America ad. And, and Bloomberg's ad was, everyone is going to die. America is under a cloud of terror. We wake up afraid. Of the man in the White House. I don't... I mean, obviously, there are some never-Trump weirdos who do. The kind of people who are, like, screaming on... No! No! The kind of people who cried when Hillary um, was humiliated. Uh, they do. But normal people are like, well, my 401k seems pretty good. My kid didn't get blown up in Fallujah. That, that, that seems pretty good. Yeah, I mean, there are some weird things out there. You got coronavirus, don't eat pangolins, you know, or, or, or some thing. But, you know, generally, you know, shit's pretty good. I can look at my 401k. That's doing swell. I've got a job. I didn't before. Things are going okay. I, I just don't, you know, the climate is going to kill. People are murdering each other left and right. Well, no, no, they're really not, except in, like, New York, where you can't stop and frisk people anymore because apparently... Keeping young people from murdering each other is a bad thing for reasons. But no, it, it, it actually is mourning in America. It's not mourning with a U in America. And I, I just don't think Bloomberg's ad does it. I mean, when he starts talking, climate, we are going to die unless we do everything leftists want. Yeah, isn't that great? About, that's the thing I love about climate change, by the way. It's this amazing phenomenon that requires us to do everything the left has already wanted to do but couldn't convince you to do otherwise. But now you got to do it because of the weather in 150 years. And, uh, you know, Bloomberg's all part of that. I don't think that is going to play really well where people actually, you know, work in the energy industry like Western Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania being a rather important state election-wise. You know, I want to end fracking because the people in the faculty lounge will approve of that. You may starve, but uh, we'll get you good green jobs somewhere down the road. I'm sure you'll get paid as much as you do for fracking uh, with your good green jobs, which will totally happen uh, at some unspecified point in the future. Trust me, I'm a politician, I promise. Uh, green New Deal, by the way, for reasons and also cause... Was it Uma Thunberg or Uma Thurman? Whatever. Who's the kid? Greta. Greta says so. Let's all let's take our cues from a uh, bizarre Swedish eighteen-year-old or seventeen-year-old. Sounds like a good plan. Everybody, uh, everybody on board? I don't think that's going to happen. And, and that's the funny thing. Bloomberg's got to do that too because of the Democrats. See, Bloomberg could buy his way into the election. He could buy his way into the nomination because remember he's like a gnome. So if it's the nomination, get it? I'm funny like that. So he buys his way into the nomination. He's still stuck with a lot of this baggage. He's got to go tell people, I want to, you know, all your fracking jobs, I want to take those. All your taxes, I want to raise those. You guys who like guns, I want to take those too. I'm going to tell you what you can eat. I'm probably going to tell you what you can say. 
I'm not into this whole God stuff, so your religion, kind of not important to me. I'm protecting it, not so good. He does have kind of like generic leadership qualities. I mean, he seems like uh, he seems like somebody who could make thing, make the trains run on time, which is, of course, what, you know, fascists do. I'm not sure that, you know, his kind of leadership is necessarily like a good kind of leadership. I think it's kind of like the bad kind of leadership. It's sort of leadership by I'm not going to let your petty concerns interfere with my vision and whims uh, thing. So anyway, so I'm just I'm just not sure how they sell him. Uh, he's going to have a bunch of Bernie guys are going to hold out. I just don't know how you sell Mike Bloomberg. I don't know how you sell Bernie Sanders at all. I think Donald Trump's probably going to get reelected. Oh, well, I've got you. And we've only got a couple minutes left uh, here on Unredacted with Kurt Schlechter. Let's talk about Harvey Weinstein, shall we? Very, very important article in the nation of all places on February 20th. It's uh, called something like Why Harvey Weinstein May Walk. And somebody observing the trial, and it's a reporter, and it's a leftist reporter, a feminist. And she's saying, you know, the... I don't know, but I don't think the prosecutors have made their case. He's on trial, five counts, could get life in prison. Uh, it's basically sexual assault on two women. To show a pattern, they brought in like five other women that he allegedly assaulted, uh, starting with Annabella Sciorra, who is the uh, actress, uh, 27 years ago. Uh, that's barred by statute of limitations. Uh, but she is, uh, her testimony was the marquee testimony. I have a three-hour closing argument. An hour and 15 minutes was based on her testimony, according to this. And this courtroom observer's like, you know, I know what the journalists are saying because they all kind of, they're, they're putting out that the defense is just crushing it or the uh, uh, prosecution is just crushing it. But, you know, among normal people, normal people are going, why again did she write letters to this guy for like 10 years later telling him I love you and texting him and meeting up with him and doing these other things? You know, and and, and the prosecution puts on experts. Go, well, it is not unusual for a rape victim to show affection for her abuser. Well, okay, I, I guess I guess it could be possible, but it's also entirely consistent with it being a consensual act if you're like showing affection for the person after, right? There's there's two possible explanations. And normal people are going to go, yeah, in my experience, if you're raped, you probably don't keep in contact with the guy for years and like actually have a relationship. Apparently one of them like goes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we got into a relationship after that. And then that was good. But before it was bad. And... Normal people are like, I, I know you really want to convict this guy, but that's just not resonating. And and supposedly the jurors are deadlocked right now. They they are deadlocked on the charges. And I, I think there's going to be some problems uh, getting a conviction. Now, I, I think it's most likely a deadlock. I don't think it's going to be a hung jury, which is what happens when it deadlocks. Jury Judge will often give what's called a dynamite instruction to blow up a deadlock. It says, go back, get me an answer. And eventually ju the jury comes back enough to say, we're, we're deadlocked, we're not going to move. Okay, mistrial, and you, you get to do it again. In this case, there is a, a juror who actually, uh, who's like a well-known novelist. We don't know her name. I guess we can figure it out. But she didn't disclose. She's got a book coming out about a predatory male. 
not unlike Harvey Weinstein. I think there is zero percent chance that she will uh, vote to acquit this person because she has a huge interest in not being called a uh, Harvey Weinstein excuser type apologist. So I, I think I, I think we have a significant chance of a mistrial on uh, between one and five counts. So. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a very good article in The Nation. I know Kurt Schlichter recommending you look at something in The Nation. So you can you can cross that off your I didn't think this shit would ever happen list because it did. Anyway, that's enough for uh, Unredacted with Kurt Schlichter for this week. You will hear from me next, probably from ground zero at the giant Petri dish of infections and conservatism. That is CPAC. Check out all my town hall stuff, Mondays, Wednesdays, that's just for you VIP folks, and Thursdays, get my books, Collapse, People's Republic, Indian Country, and Wildfire. Bill Crystal hailed them as appalling. Uh, check out my Hugh Hewitt-affiliated podcast, which is called Fighting Words, and you can, you can find that with a quick uh, Google machine search. And uh, also, drop me a line if you are so inclined, Kurt dot schlichter at townhall.com and i will talk to you soon thanks goodbye